Hey everyone, it's Jess. Happy Saturday, or whatever day it is that you are listening to this. I hope you are having a relaxing day and you are taking some time to take care of yourself. Um, This is just my break from hitting refresh on all of my search engines because I am really waiting on some mm, important news. I don't want to say exciting news because this is just a, it's an awful topic, but if anybody remembers back in episode nine, um, Brie actually covered Lashea Stein's case for her very first case, and she did a phenomenal job covering the whole story, but um, there's actually been a huge update and there was some credible tips given and there's actually a house being searched less than a mile from where she disappeared from so we're i'm actually gonna play the news clip for you guys right now and this is from cbs denver Aurora police and the FBI continue looking for new evidence in the disappearance of 16-year-old Lashea Stein. She went missing four years ago. Well, today, investigators were at a home near 22nd in Lansing for a third day after using search dogs and heavy equipment. We do know investigators did find items of interest. CBS horse Karen Morfitt live there tonight. Karen, any specific word on what they found? Well, right now, Jim, Aurora police are not saying what evidence was found inside this house, only that detectives are going to be processing what they recovered to determine if there is a connection in this case. And they say the search for Lashea continues. For a third day, the search for evidence in the disappearance of Lashea Stein centered around this home in Aurora. Throughout the week, we've um, kind of followed up on evidence inside the house that led us to a specific area. Investigators were seen bringing in shovels as well as hand tools. They also called in Aurora Fire Rescue to help with the search. They brought, uh, I believe, jackhammers, some concrete saws, uh, some heavy equipment that obviously the police department usually doesn't keep on hand. Aurora Police Spokesperson Matthew Longshore says following up on tips and other leads brought them to the home. He says Lachea did know the family who lived here and was last seen on surveillance just a few blocks away. It's been four years we're missing in July of 2016 and we're just making sure that we're following up on all the leads that we're taking our time we're not trying to rush anything um, so that just in case there's evidence in this house we want to make sure that we find it investigators tonight are asking the public for help they say if you lived in this area around 2016 when Lashea disappeared to think back if you remember anything that was suspicious but maybe didn't seem like much back then they want to hear from you they say it could help in this case live in aurora tonight karen morfitt covering colorado first a beloved so yeah holy shit guys there may be a conclusion coming for Lachey's case. So that's just huge, huge news. And as they were at the end there, you could hear them pleading for the public's help, which is why Bree and I do this podcast. But we are not the only people who do podcasts at all about missing and unsolved cases. 
actually right after we came out with our episode on Lachea Stein, Paul Holes and Billy Jensen did a great episode um, on their podcast, Murder Squad. And if you don't know who Billy Jensen and Paul Holes are, I what planet are you on? Go, go look them up. But... Paul Holes is a retired detective, and Billy Jensen is an author. He actually wrote Chase Darkness with me, which is about his his whole journey through writing about missing and unsolved cases and his friendship with Michelle McNamara. And if you don't know who she is, she wrote I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Well, Billy Jensen and her husband helped finish the book. Um, she was married to, what was his name? Patton Oswald. She was married to Patton Oswald, and um, they ended up finishing her book, All Be Gone in the Dark, because she passed away um, from an undiagnosed heart condition right before she could finish the book. And it's basically her mission to catch the Golden State Killer, and she writes about it, and she wrote the book I'll Be Gone in the Dark about this, and basically she was just a citizen detective who, like us all, became obsessed with this case, and this was huge. If you don't know about the Golden State Killer, just go on Google, and I'm sure so much will pop up. He actually just arrived at North Kern State Prison to finish out his worthless life on November 3rd, 2020. So, so yeah, there's two books to go check out. I'll Be Gone in the Dark and Billy Jensen's book, Chase Darkness with Me. And these books just, it goes over the importance of public pressure in these cases and the flawed system that needs the public pressure to solve to solve these cases basically so yeah so just go and inform yourself um with those while we're on the topic of public pressure hopefully the police in um, Littleton Colorado right now are receiving um an ample amount of pressure to solve this domestic violence case that just happened um that just happened this last week i am going to play you a news clip of this and this is from the denver channel and i really hope this is just like the chris watts case and i hope that the friends and people that knew her get involved and i hope the police investigate this and there's a resolution this because this just does not sound right I'm, and we can talk about this on the Facebook page I will post the news link there also and we can have a chat underneath it if you want because this is just crazy a Littleton woman shot and killed by her husband in their home. Denver 7 has learned he's claiming self-defense and has not been charged. But tonight her friends are calling for justice and talking to Denver 7's Ivan Rodriguez. In this Littleton neighborhood, life is quiet. We like to be by ourselves. We're not the kind 
where we're going to go around and, you know, sip beer with everybody on Saturday or Sunday. Which makes what happened last Sunday hard to understand. And I just happened to, you know, see a fellow walking around in the front yard with his hands up and someone was telling him to drop the weapon and get on the ground. That man is Scott Smith. He was arrested after saying his wife, Canuck Juan Smith, tried killing him with a butcher knife. In an affidavit detailing the incident, he says he had no choice but to shoot and kill her. There's just not a question in our mind is that he killed her. For Dominique, who has known Canuck Juan for more than a decade, the pain is unbearable. She'll never be able to wrap her arms around her little girl again. And he shouldn't have that right. He shouldn't be out and he shouldn't be free. Another friend who is also a lawyer and read the affidavit says he sees red flags. And when it's in a small room with clutter and there's no signs of a struggle, alarm bells obviously start going off. Scott Smith had no injuries or marks, but there is a telling sign on Kanukwan's head. The officer describes a black, uh, a black ring around the wound, and that only happens when a gun is very, very close to somebody's head. And just a couple weeks ago, the couple was going through the process of getting a divorce. Now one of them is waiting to see if the DA's office decides to press charges. Ivan Rodriguez, Denver 7. Wow, guys. Just wow. You're going to have to let me know what you guys think about that, because I don't really have a lot of words for that. Uh, Brie and I, well, I shouldn't be talking for Brie right now because she is super busy um, working all of her DV cases. Uh, I'm we'll probably go over this time and time again, but as things shift and change in the public, a lot of domestic violence cases rise and shift with all the stress that goes with everything. So like, I think we've mentioned it before, but when school starts back up, there tends to be more cases happening domestic violence cases being reported and that may be because mandatory reporting like when kids go back to school they're involved with mandatory reporters so things get documented a lot more but it's also has to do with like the stress of that change too so just triggers for all that stuff so right now with the pandemic ramping back up and everything changing and shifting constantly, uh, Brie has been overloaded with work and cases. And they actually started court cases in person again. So there's been some of that going on and that might, that might actually come to a stop as well. We, we don't know what's going to happen yet. So it's going to be really interesting to see what's going to happen with that. But our plan is to finish out um, our domestic violence awareness time. <laughs> it was supposed to be a month, but domestic violence awareness time on Missing at 5280 with quite a big case here in Colorado. Um, so yeah, I've been doing lots of research on that. Uh, I'll post the book in the link when we do the episode because everybody has got to read this book with me. Also, as we're on the topic of reading with me, you should hop on to True Crime Book Time. We kind of took a 
pause on reading until the holidays are over so you can join in and just true crime shit post with me post all your creepy memes and your dark humor and whatever you're interested in or obsessing over and we'll talk about it and laugh with you and obsess with you Today I'm actually going to end this episode with some information on a local missing teen. This was brought to my attention by a co-worker of mine and with all of the developments of Lachea, I thought it was appropriate just to add it onto this episode. Missing teens and runaway teens are usually overlooked just because of that fact, because they ran away. But when when somebody is missing or even if they've ran away and you don't have any contact with them as a parent that's just unthinkable and as a parent you do have the right to file a missing persons report and somebody actually was asking me about why an amber alert hadn't been put out for this missing teen and it is because it doesn't meet the qualifications there There are very stringent qualifications to report an Amber Alert, and I honestly believe that there should be some way of maybe a different kind of alert or something, but we should be more more aware of all of these missing teens. But until then, Missing at 5280 does exist for Colorado. If you have anybody in your life that is missing and you want to reach more people on a different platform, message me and I will be more than happy to help you. But today we are leaving off with the story of Caitlin Miller. She disappeared from Fort Collins, Colorado on the very early morning hours of October 30th, 2020. So it's it's getting to be... Um, It's getting to be quite concerning, the amount of time that she's been gone. Um, On Twitter, um, I read her mom had posted that she was seen leaving on her longboard from a neighbor's ring doorbell camera. She did not take her cell phone. And that's about all it says from her. She can't, I don't think she can really share a lot of information um, about the case. I do know that Well, I guess I don't know for sure, but it sounds like the FBI and CBI are getting involved as well. She is missing from Fort Collins, Colorado. She is 16 years old. She is a white female with brown hair and brown eyes. She is 4'11", and she weighs 125 pounds. Do not approach. Do not hesitate. If you have information, you should call 911 or one 800 the lost. That is 1-800-843-5678. Or you can reach the Larimer County Sheriff's Office at 970-416-1985. As always, I will be posting all of the sources used for this episode in the description box. I will also be posting Caitlin Miller's missing poster on all of our social media platforms. Please feel free to share. Thank you for listening and have a great weekend.